What's up, everybody? On today's show, ESPN has a list out of the 25 most important players in the 2023 college football playoff race. And a ton of SEC guys made the list. We'll run through those. More updates from across SEC fall camps. We'll get you caught up on the latest. And we preview Kentucky football with Nick Roush of Kentucky Sports Radio. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. A reminder to check out our friends at LinkedIn Jobs these days. Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs is helping you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network covering your team every day. All right, before we go into our fall camp stuff, I did want to jump into this story up at ESPN. Their list of the 25 most important players in the 2023 college football playoff race. Written by Bill Connolly and... Uh, really enjoy a lot of stuff Bill Connolly's written over the years. He gets uh, deep into the numbers and uh, use that uses that to um, you know justify a lot of his opinions and reasoning on stuff. So let's run through some names of note. Now, first off, he's not in the SEC anymore, but he's worth mentioning. He's got Bo Nix at number twenty-four, the former Auburn quarterback now at Auburn, at Oregon. He says um, you know Bo Nix very well could factor into this. And you think about it, if Oregon. Uh, runs the table. Certainly, they're going to make the playoff. If they go, say, like 10-2, and 11-1, uh, win the Pac-12, certainly could be in the discussion to uh, make the college football playoff, albeit, you know, no two-loss team has ever made it, but uh, could be in the conversation if they go 11-1, and win the Pac-12. So, Bo Nix there. Coming to number 23, a very interesting one, Dallas Turner at Alabama. And here's what Connolly says. He says, the, the bar for star power is high in Tuscaloosa, and it looked like Turner was well on his way as a true freshman. You remember two years ago, he had the eight and a half sacks. But last year, he and Will Anderson, their production kind of dropped off a little bit. His sack rate fell from 4.7% to 1.4%. And his sack total from eight and a half down to just four. But he brought up with Bryce Young gone, Will Anderson gone. Alabama's looking for star power. They need superstars. And Dallas Turner has that potential. He could be that guy. So just an interesting name. Uh, to keep an eye on there at Alabama. Of course, still, Alabama has to go 11-1, 12-0, win the SEC, or, or maybe if not win the SEC, go undefeated, lose the Georgia SEC title game, they still get in. You know, Something like that has to happen, but Dallas Turner would certainly have to be one of those guys that has a big year on that defense for Alabama for it to happen. All right, let's get into some of the other names that made this list from across the SEC. Uh, next up, number 21, they've got uh, Brock Powers, tight end at Georgia. Obviously, look, one of Georgia's best offensive weapons, scored on passes of 73 and 78 yards last year, also scored on a 75-yard run. If Georgia's having a great year, it means Brock Bowers having a great year, probably undefeated, and Brock Bowers certainly could be a big part of why Georgia makes the college football playoff. The, the problem is Georgia's just so loaded in every spot. It feels like Brock Bowers could be, you know, average, like 700 yards and six touchdowns, and Georgia still make the playoff. But he's going to be a big focal piece of this offense. You know they're going to get him the ball a ton. Best tight end in the country. So 
probably a good case there made for Brock Bowers being one of those players. Now here's where Bill Connolly gets into a little bit of a specific category. He says, spoiler quarterbacks. And he's got several guys from the SEC in here. Coming in at number 20 on the list, he's got K.J. Jefferson. He says it's six foot three, 246 pounds. Jefferson is one of college football's most imposing and physical quarterbacks. Two seasons as a starter, he's thrown for 5,300 yards, 45 touchdowns, uh, rushing 1,300 yards, 15 more scores, and he'll be working with a new OC in Dan Enos. Nearly everyone uh, on that defense, or, or rather he brings up that that defense was so rough last year, nearly everyone put up stats on the defense. The defense is going to have to be better. But if K.J. Jefferson can be special, Arkansas could be in that conversation of competing for the SEC West. And as we know, if you're competing in the East or the West and you make it to Atlanta, you're in the college football playoff conversation. Coming in at number 19, they've got Spencer Rattler in here. Here's what Bill Connolly says. Three years into the Spencer Rattler experience, we still don't really know what we're looking at. When the Cannon Arm senior is good, he's unbelievable. Just ask Tennessee last year as Clemson, but against Georgia, Missouri, and Florida last year, teams with great, very good, and merely decent defenses. He went uh, for 51 for 81 for 434 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, and seven sacks. South Carolina plays Georgia, Tennessee, and Clemson this year, and if Radler ever establishes a genuinely consistent run of form, the Gamecocks will have a solid say in who makes the college football playoff. Again, uh, that's a case where maybe you say – Georgia runs the table, South Carolina loses to them, but South Carolina beats everybody else, and, you know, maybe they get in as an at-large, you know, 11-1 type team, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and the other one he puts in here as well from the SEC, number 18, he's got Connor Wegman from A&M. He says, uh, it wouldn't be a most improved players list without an appearance from Texas A&M's quarterback at choice. You see, granted, most of the time they are further up this list just as A&M is further up the contenders list. He says the Aggies began both 2021 and 2022 in the preseason AP Top 10 and finished both seasons unranked, going a combined 13-11. and 11. But to try to fix this, Bobby Petrino has come in. And with Connor Wegman and, and a, dy- a dynamite receiving core, Anai Smith, Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, Petrino has got a lot of weapons to work, uh, work with. Wegman played his best game in his last game last season, an upset of LSU. We're going to see if Petrino can kind of lump the balls of clay he's got here and, and make it work. But he lists Connor Wegman in this category of spoiler quarterbacks, ranked number 18 in terms of a guy who could have a factor uh, in his team possibly making the college football playoff. Kind of same thing with AM. I look at it, look at it as maybe Alabama goes undefeated, or LSU for that matter, and AM is 11-1. They don't win the West, but they're an at-large team could make a case for that. All right, uh, other candidates, uh, Bill Connolly, he didn't rank them, but he said other guys that could fall in this category. Brady Cook at Mizzou, whoever the old Miss quarterback is, could be Jackson Dart, uh, Graham Mertz at Florida, and Peyton Thorne at Auburn. Again, if ever if any of those guys has a truly special year, and it have to be special, that means that their team could potentially be 10-11 wins in, in the college football playoff discussion. All right. Down the list, he lists a group of potential stars in need of a breakthrough. And at number 17, he's got Alabama wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks. He said, after an all-time run of receiver talent, Alabama found itself with a real transitional receiving core last year. And you think about it, 
just go back to 2018. Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith in 2019, Devontae Smith in 2020, Jamison Williams in 2021, or John Mechie with him, uh, Jermaine Burton, even last year, just 677 yards. That's compared to Jamison Williams, who had 1,500 yards the year prior. Devontae Smith had 1,800 yards a year earlier when he won the Heisman. Uh, he says, with Bryce Young and Bama, or Bryce Young gone and Bama looking for uh, a quarterback, the new starter of choice will need more upside at wide receiver. And while Jermaine Burton was last year's receiving leader, it was Ja'Cory Brooks who likely had the most potential. He's got the pedigree for a huge breakout year, but it needs to come immediately. And that's an interesting one because Dallas Turner can only do so much on defense. I feel like with Alabama, we're too focused on the quarterback and not focused enough on who are the receivers? Who's Ja'Cory Brooks? Can he be that guy? Can he be that superstar? Are we going to be talking about the end of this year? Ja'Cory Brooks is in the same category as Jameson Williams, Devontae Smith, and Jerry Judy. If we are, it means Alabama's undefeated or one loss and they're in the college football playoffs. So I agree with Bill Connolly on Ja'Cory Brooks. If he's special, then Bama's having a special year. Uh, we'll mention Quinn Ewers here. He comes in at number nine on the list. Obviously, the Longhorns not in the SEC yet. They will be next year. But a uh, real chance there in another year of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. Quinn Ewers in Texas, the, the pick flavor of the summer to win the Big 12. Certainly, if he's special this year, they could get a big win at Alabama Week 2. And we could be talking about Quinn Ewers, um, you know, in Texas in the playoff. All right, other SEC guys. He's got Jaden Daniels at number eight. He says Daniels is ungovernable. That's what he wrote about him uh, when he was at Arizona State and then transferred to LSU. He said within Mike Denbrock's offense, Daniels led an offense that ranked sixth in success rate last year and grabbed an unexpected SEC West title. Tigers defied all expectations last year, but said expectations were low. LSU will start this year as a borderline top five, top ten team, and Daniels might still need to prove he's got one more gear as a passer. Air it out. Show those big plays. LSU was 6-0 when Jane Daniels averaged at least seven yards per drop back last season, but only 4-4 four four when he didn't. Can Jane Daniels and his pass characters like Malik Neighbors, Mason Taylor, take it to the next level? If they can, again, LSU is going to be undefeated or one loss and in the college football playoff discussion. All right. A few other ones here. He lists at the top of his list new starting quarterbacks for potential contenders. He's got number five. It's the list of Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. He says it was certainly a red flag that after uh, spring practice, Jalen Milrow uh, going up against Ty Simpson, Nick Saban and Tommy Reese went to the transfer portal and brought in Tyler Buckner. He said, we know Milrow is incredibly mobile. We know Buckner has massive upside, and we know Simpson has both mobility and a big arm. We don't know who the best option is for Alabama yet. Do Saban and Reese. That's where we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. If whoever wins that job, and I keep saying this, you know, I, I think right now I'm saying, I'm feeling maybe Jalen Milrow could be the guy. If Jalen Milrow is the starting quarterback for Alabama, he can be very special. He's, he's gifted. Gifted runner. If he makes some better throws, cuts out the mistakes, he's going to be very good and probably be in the Heisman conversation because that's what good Alabama quarterbacks have been in recent, in recent years. But he's got to be special, whoever that starting quarterback is for Alabama. Come in number three, he's got Carson Beck on this list. And I've talked about it many times here. I, I'm a big buyer in Carson Beck. I think he's got better talent, just pure talent, than Stetson Bennett. Now, he's not a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett right now. Bennett was 
absolutely ridiculous towards the end of, uh, well, really all last year. And here's what Connolly writes. He said, Carson Beck waited his turn behind Bennett, throwing 58 passes and, ma- passes and mouth up duty. He showed discernible improvement between completion rate, yards per drop back, but a lot of that was in garbage time. Well, he and new OC Mike Bobo formed the tandem that Bennett and Todd Munkin had last year. Georgia will roll through much of this year, but Bennett still had to come through in key moments. If Carson Beck does that, we're going to be talking about him being a big reason why Georgia is in the college football playoff. And then lastly, Connolly lists new starting quarterbacks for potential contenders with a potential game-changing leap and shots at lots of contenders. At number two, he's got the Penn State quarterback, Drew Allar. We won't touch on him, but we will touch on his number one guy. And that is Joseph Milton III. Joe Milton at Tennessee, he says it couldn't be anyone else. Milton gets a third chance to become a star after misfiring at Michigan in 2020 and Tennessee in 2021 when Hendon Hooker uh, became the guy. And whether he succeeds or fails... Whether Tennessee becomes a potential Georgia or Alabama spoiler or an outright SEC favorite, we will know why. If Joe Milton still takes too many sacks, toes the wrong side of the line between patience and slow decision-making, he'll probably end the year on the bench behind the five-star Nico Yamaliave. But he, if he's firing quickly to Brew McCoy, Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton, and fully harnesses the explosiveness of Josh Heupel's offense and his own arm, He's almost certainly got the strongest arm in college football. Then the sky is the limit for Tennessee. Forget spoiler talk. Put them in the national title conversation. No pressure, Joe Milton. Again, that's from Bill Connolly. I like that pick. And look, right, wrong, or indifferent. If Joe Milton is special this year, then Tennessee is in the college football playoff conversation. Uh, Not even the hunt. They're in the conversation. Um, And, uh, you know, again, if you want to go read the whole list, ESPN.com, Bill Connolly, 25 most important players in the college football playoff race for 2023. Go check that out. But uh, I agree with a lot of those names on there. All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to run through a couple of other college football notes, and then we will go around the conference and get you caught up on all the latest goings on around at SEC fall camps. This is a locked on SEC. All right, I want to take a second to remind you guys this episode is presented to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. And look, when we talk about eBay Motors, it is the place that you need to go, uh, just like with your college football team. Uh, you want a championship team on the field? You want a championship uh, t- feeling with your car? And you got to make sure that every part is just right, every piece of your team is just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, you want to head over to eBay Motors. They've got that eBay guaranteed fit. That, so you can be sure that uh, every part you need fits just right for your vehicle the first time around. You go to their website, you go to the My Garage section, you add your car, and then you look for the green check for any part you're looking for. That will let you know that, that part is going to fit your vehicle or your money back. It's just like in sports confidence, it's the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're going to be back in the game in no time. Find the parts you need. After all, it is easy to bring home a win when the uh, right parts are guaranteed. So go get the right parts, get the right fit, and get the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply, ebaymotors.com.
All right, along here, locked on SEC. We got plenty to jump into, so we got to just we can't waste any time. We got to dive right into it. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. All right, we've been talking about the college football playoff. The season kicks off in just over two weeks. And the college football playoff selection committee, they're going to be ranking teams come late October. And they uh, revealed their dates for the revealing uh, shows of their you know selection committee releasing their rankings. We're going to start on Halloween night, Tuesday, October 31st. And then a week later, November 7th, November 14th, so on and so forth. And then, of course, Sunday, December 3rd, will be the selection day where we'll find out the four teams that are going to the college football playoff. Not much to do with that list of names, but just wanted to make you guys aware that those are the dates, and Halloween will be the first edition of the official college football playoff rankings. I would expect Georgia's going to be in that list. Maybe Michigan or Ohio State's on that list. We'll see who else will be on that list come Halloween. All right, a few other notes. Uh, the Butkus Award released their preseason watch list for linebackers. The Big Ten leading all conferences with 12. The SEC uh, finished right behind them with 11 names on the list, but some names of note. Uh, Kari Coleman at Ole Miss. Edgerin Cooper at AM, Jamin Dumas-Johnson at Georgia. Small Munden at Georgia. Uh, Tyron Hopper at Mizzou. Deontay Lawson at Alabama. Chris Paul Jr. at Arkansas. Tre- uh, Trevin Wallace at Kentucky. Nathaniel Watson, Mississippi State, and then the two LSU guys, Harold Perkins Jr. and Omar Spates. Good list of names there. Some good linebackers across the SEC. Uh, College game day going to look a little bit different this year. For those of you who didn't follow, uh, Chris Bear-Felica left this offseason, left ESPN for Fox Sports. And so ESPN looking for a gambling angle. They're going to go with Stanford Steve, longtime contributor alongside Scott Van Pelt. Doing the Bad Beats segment. Uh, Stanford Steve going to slide right in there on the show alongside Reese Davis, Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreet, Desmond Howard, Pat McAfee. So look forward to seeing Stanford Steve. He'll bring his Steve's Six Pack, a segment where he's going to share his top bets of the week and uh, join college football live every Friday from on site wherever college game day is. So easy transition there. You lose Chris the Bear Felica, you slide in. Stanford Steve. Uh, Derek Mason, we saw him at SEC Media Days. There was uh, rumblings that he was joining the SEC Network crew this week, becoming official uh, with the announcement that Derek Mason going to join uh, the SEC Network with Dave Neal. He tweeted out, I am truly excited to be part of the SEC Network. Dave Neal, Taylor Beth Davis, our gifted broadcast personalities who will mentor this veteran coach in his new digs. Coming soon this fall, Saturdays near you, all gas no breaks. So probably going to be those early games on Saturday, if I had to guess, like those 11 a.m. Uh, Central, 12, 12 p.m. Eastern kickoffs. Uh, Mason, of course, was the head coach at Vanderbilt from 2014 through 2020. All right, a few other notes going on around fall camp. Over at Tennessee, Vol center Cooper Mays missed a few preseason practices, but Josh Heupel said he's optimistic. The lineman will be good to go for week one. He said this week Coop had a minor procedure He'll be back. He'll be healthy as we get closer to kickoff. Anticipate that being a couple-a-week kind of deal. Uh, Also, Josh Heupel gushing on wide receiver Dante Thornton, saying he's got the ability to play uh, multiple positions, I think, for us this year. We probably have a little bit more mobility there. Guys can do multiple things within the offense than probably how we've played them the first couple of years that I've been here. He did say, I think the rotation is going to be a little fluid with all these guys. 
Some of our young guys continue to grow and make real strides, like Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb. So Tennessee very deep at receiver. Uh, we should see a bevy of receivers in the coming weeks. Over at LSU, Jaden Daniels. We talked about being one of those guys. Can he take that big leap forward? Offense quarter Mike Denbrock talking with the media this week. He said year two for Jaden allows him to have a comfort level from a knowledge standpoint of the offense and a personnel standpoint with all the other players where he feels like he can let it rip a little bit more. We encourage him to do that more and more. He said he comes uh, to, to better his craft every single day. There's not a time where he doesn't have his uh, complete attention on getting better at what he's doing on the practice field. So see what Jaden Daniels can do there. Over at Georgia, Mike Bobo, of course, uh, taking over the offense at Georgia once again. He met with reporters on Thursday. Said after he parted ways at Auburn that he had other opportunities. He said, I wanted to go somewhere where I could continue learning as a coach. Those guys on the 2022 Georgia staff took me in, and it was very, very positive. And uh, he went on to say, as a play caller, it's about the players, not the plays called. If a player has a unique ability to make plays, we got to design plays as a staff to get him touches. So Bubba's going to be working with the best talent he's had <laughs> just about any stop here. So it's going to be fun to see what he does there at Georgia. Meanwhile, over at Arkansas, uh, they held their sixth fall football practice on Thursday morning. First team offense running very efficiently to the point where the defense was uh, kind of getting beat. D.C. Travis Williams having words with his unit saying, guys, what are we doing? Get this together. K.J. Jefferson found Luke Haas and Andrew Armstrong for nice gains. Uh, Haas was the first string tight end and continues to impress. True freshman making a case to be a starter against Western Carolina here in a couple weeks. Also, uh, Isaiah Sategna and Bryce Stevens had some impressive catches, according to reports. Sategna reportedly appears to have the upper hand as being the starter in the slot, so we'll keep an eye on that. Over at Vanderbilt, they avoided disaster this week when sophomore uh, starting edge defender Darren Agu uh, left an apparent injury to his right arm that left him doubled over in pain and got carted off. Uh, 24-7 Sports saying that uh, he suffered a dislocated elbow, underwent testing that included an X-ray and an MRI. And on Tuesday, Clark Lee said he'll be back. Good news is there was no further damage, so it's just a matter of letting the swelling go down, getting to the point where he's comfortable with it. He'll probably have to wear a brace, but there's no reason to think that he's counted out from anything we'll do as a team. It'll be a few days. He projects as one of Vanderbilt's top pass rushers this season. Also at Vanderbilt, Trying to build some depth in the defensive back category. They're moving freshman wideout Davion Walker over to DB. I uh, practiced as a corner for the first time this week. OC Joey Lynch said the emergence of some true freshman receivers like Junior Sherrill and London Humphreys helped them make the decision. It was like they were too deep at receiver with Will Shepard and company, so they moved Walker over to DB. Uh, B.J. Anderson, Trudell Berry, Martel Height, and Tyson Russell continue to fight for the starting two DB spots. Over Kentucky, Liam Cohen uh, helped recruit running back Ramon Jefferson to Maine back in 2017, and now he's reunited with him once again at Kentucky. Uh, Jefferson came to Kentucky uh, last year and tore his ACL on his right knee in the season opener, so he missed all of last season. The start of preseason practice has marked Jefferson's return to the field, but he's been wearing a red no-contact jersey. Uh, Vanderbilt transfer Ray Davis, of course, is coming in, expects to be the starter. Uh, Juton McClain is in the mix as well, but Ramon Jefferson could figure into this. He's wearing that number 26 jersey that Benny Snell 
wants war. Over at Florida, they held their first scrimmage of fall camp Thursday afternoon at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Some takeaways, corner 24-7 sports linebacker Shamar James and corner Jason Marshall, as well as Edge Scooby Williams, were all in non-contact jerseys. Of course, Shamar James suffered that knee injury in practice last week. Uh, Jones is dealing with a lower leg injury. Florida offensive guard Micah Mazuka returned to practice as a full participant on Wednesday, appeared to be a full participant in Thursday's scrimmage. And DB Jaden Hill missed Thursday's scrimmage due to an illness, according to multiple reports. Now, Kyle Whittingham, the Utah head coach, keeping it real close to the vest if his quarterback, Cam Rising, is going to be ready for that season opener game against the Gators in three weeks. Uh, he said this week that if Rising is not 100%, then they're going to have some decisions to make as far as who will play quarterback in that game. So that is something worth keeping an eye on. Over at Texas A&M, uh, starting quarterback has not been named yet, but uh, according to Olin Buchanan of Texas, he says, based on past performance, A&M football coach Jimbo Fisher will announce a starting quarterback in about two weeks. Last season, he announced Haynes King as the starter on August 27th. The year prior, he made the announcement on August 25th. So somewhere in that two-week range, He'll announce a starter, and the bet is it'll be sophomore Connor Wegman. Now, Max Johnson, very talented, very experienced, started games at LSU. And uh, Bobby Petrino this past week praised Max Johnson's ability to throw the ball downfield. But when he talked about Connor Wegman, he said Wegman has a quick release and can get the ball out accurately and fast. And that is what this team needs. With all their offensive line issues they had last year getting sacked, they need the ball to get out accurately and quick, and that's what Connor Wegman brings. So that will be... Uh, something to keep an eye on. In recruiting news, LSU got some good news on Thursday. They picked up four-star running back Caden Durham from Duncanville, Texas, the number 95 prospect in the country. They couldn't make it a twofer, though. They were hoping to get his high school uh, teammate and uh, Colin Simmons, but Colin Simmons went with the Texas Longhorns. And why do we mention that? Well, he's committing to Texas. He's going to be playing in the SEC starting next year when he gets – on campus. So uh, Colin Simmons, six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds, the number eight prospect in college football. He's going to play for the Texas Longhorns. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, there you have it. It is the latest going on around at fall camp. Coming up next, our segment talking all things Kentucky football with Nick Roush. That's coming your way next. And always fun to catch up with our buddy Nick Roush of KSR Kentucky Sports Radio. Covering the Kentucky Wildcats. What's up, man? How we doing? <laughs> my, my voice, it, it doesn't, I don't normally sound like this. I apologize to your listeners. It's just, it's a long week. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it goes. Yeah, and alcohol may have had an effect on this voice as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, um, maybe a little. <laughs> let's jump into it. I keep saying I think Kentucky's one of those sneaky teams this year in the SEC that could, if things fall their way, I like the roster, man. I like what they've done. I like the addition of Devin Leary, Ray, uh, Ray Davis, right, the, mm -hmm. the running back. Um the uh, the offensive line, I feel like they've retooled it a little bit. Um, give me your thoughts on this Kentucky team. I mean, really, a lot of it does come down to that offensive line, and that's not the sexiest talk. Like a, a year ago, we're here like, is Will Levis actually good? Like that that was a whole <laughs> week of just Will Levis talk. Right. And now you're at a point where I think everybody's in agreement that yeah, uh, Devin Leary, quality quarterback, but can he stay healthy? And their line of thinking, their kind of talking points are, these were freak injuries, um, but we still have to do whatever it takes to protect our greatest asset. And 
That started by getting two tackles in the transfer portal. They got a three-year starter from Northern Illinois at left tackle, Marcus Cox, and then a guy by the name of Cortland Ford, who started as a redshirt freshman at USC before injuries kind of uh, added up on him, and he slid down the depth chart. So that that's it right there. Like, can you protect Devin Leary? Because Devin Leary is an accurate passer that can get the ball to his receivers efficiently. And this is a very good group of receivers. That uh, Kentucky signed two top 300 prospects. One of them was a local kid in Dane Key. The other one was a local kid here from Nashville, Barry on Brown, who was a top 100 guy. Are they going to be good? They come in as freshmen. They were great. They exceeded expectations. Now you got to have a guy that can get him the ball. They got a guy that can get him the ball. Just got to keep him on his feet. That's yeah. all it is. If you can keep him on his feet, there's a... The ceiling is pretty high, I think, for this Kentucky football team. It, it was interesting. You had Wandell Robinson, and he blew up, and everybody loved him. And then you bring in Tavion Robinson last year. And I don't know, maybe it's just because they are they both have the same last name. Everybody kind of expected, oh, he's going to be Wandale. And he wasn't. It, he had good moments, but it was kind of an inconsistent up-and-down kind of season. Uh I wasn't surprised to see he was coming back, but what, did you think he would move, move on at all, well, or were you expecting him to come back? There, for, um, how do I put this nicely? <laughs> he clearly had a disagreement with uh, Coach Rich, and um, I don't know how involved he was at the end of the season at all. Like, okay. in in the spring, he had to, I mean, he publicly had a mea culpa. Like, I quit on my team. Like, I can't, but that was immature. Like, I've got to be better than that. And so, I think from a, a talent standpoint, yes, he can be an impact playmaker in the slot. Not a Wandale Robinson, but he can be a pretty damn good wide receiver and, and return man. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that he, when adversity hits, you don't quit, right? Yeah. Like when it hits the fan, you got to persevere. And he did not do that last year. And now it's, it's a, it's a prove it year for him. Yeah. It's look, they got a ton of weapons for, for Leary to, to get the ball too. Um, they lose Chris Rodriguez. We mentioned it. You bring in Ray Davis, who was a top-five rusher in the SEC last year at Vanderbilt. Utah uh, McClain's a guy who's got a lot of um, potential. It, it seemed like last year, though, those, those couple games where they didn't have Chris Rodriguez, it, it, it yeah. was glaring. Yeah. Can they get that run game back? It, the, the, the part for me that I, uh, I'm trying to rack my brain with is because Ray Davis is a quality running back. Mm-hmm. He's one of only 4,000-yard rushers last year, and he did it at Vanderbilt. Like, they've only had 10 in their history ever. <laughs> and I think Kentucky had one in five out of the last seven years. So he, he's a good player. But part of Benny Snell and Chris Rodriguez were only part of that successful equation. The other part was up front, and these guys, I mean, especially the guys they brought in, seem to be more pass pro guys than we're going to maul you, get north and south. And the way that, I, I mean, I flat out as Mark Stoops, it's like, can you, are you comfortable being a team that throws it more because that's your strength? And he's like, we're going to throw it more, but we can't abandon the run game. And yeah. the Rams' philosophy, the what Liam Cohen runs, the stuff he does, is all predicated on play action. And it's running to set up the pass. So even if it's not... Like they might have to eat some runs, right? Like just just to do their passing stuff. But like, there's going to be a few games where Ray Davis has you know 130 yards, like he did against Kentucky a year ago. Right. No, it's it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with the run game uh, defensively. 
Uh, some big dogs are back. We saw J.J. Weaver had him uh, on the show, and obviously uh, Oxidine on the defensive line. Um, can this defense take a little step forward this year? Because I felt like there were times last year where they, I mean, the Tennessee game. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, complete it, it nightmare. Was good, right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, well, you saw J.J. Weaver. He is, I mean, he, he put on 25 pounds. Yeah. 255-pound edge. I I put on 25 pounds in college. It did not look like that, right? Uh, so the, up front, the, the front seven, the trenches, it's as big and as talented and as deep as I've ever seen. Deion Walker, he'll be here next year, most if all goes according to plan. And that dude looks like, um, and now I've lost his mind, the, the, the guy from Georgia, the big... Jordan Davis? Jordan Davis. I mean, he has... The, he's six foot six, three thirty, and runs, wears receiver cleats. Wow. and does receiver drills to work on his footwork. Like, he is a freak. They have some freaks in there. But there are two questions. And one is inside linebacker. Two new, there's two, quote-unquote, new starters, but they started half the season last year because linebackers get hurt in the SEC, right? Yeah. Do they have enough behind them? Because one of them is probably going to have to miss some games. Is it be a shoulder, you know, ankle, whatever. And then the biggest question mark is cornerbacks because – Kentucky has had a very sneakily good pass defense. If you look just year by year, passing yards per game, they've been great. In 19, yes, 2019, they were ninth in the nation, tops in the SEC. They dropped to ninth in the SEC the following year when they had to replace two new quarterbacks. They got to do that again this year. They brought in portal guys. They have a couple that have some experience there, and it's just don't be a liability. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't have to go out and and get five interceptions, right? You don't have to be Mr. Lockdown. But like you whoever they roll out there, it can be one of four or five guys. Don't be a liability. They got some safeties that can help cover stuff up, but the corners ability to uh I don't know, develop, come along like that that that's really the only spot where you could say if this gets sideways, it's the cornerbacks, right? Yeah. Like if, if Kentucky's defense doesn't meet expectations, it's clearly on the cornerbacks. So they've got to be able to bring it on day one. I love how the schedule sets up because, I mean, look, you get – it's Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron. There's yeah. not going to be – I mean, like, there's going to be a few empty seats at Kroger Field for some of those games. Well, and the, the best part is the, the – everybody shows up the first one, right? Yeah. It's been a while. You know, you want to go to the parking lot, get right. some cold beer, you know, maybe some hams with uh, <laughs> Sam Pittman. Um, but they, they they need some of this extra runway. Like, Devin yeah. Leary needs to get live reps. I mean, it's part of it, just to get back on the football field. But – that 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 part of the schedule is nice, and then your first actual SEC road test. I mean, quote unquote, is Vanderbilt, and I, I'm bullish on Vanderbilt. Like I think they can be good if AJ Swan is is talented, but they've got some momentum. They got some belief. They remind me a lot of Stoops early on. Yeah, renovations like timed up similarly, but but having that to go back to Kentucky, having just that time to figure yourself out. It's so crucial, so important. You just got to stay healthy through that, right? right. Like you got to be able to survive through it because a couple of years ago, they're playing Eastern Michigan. You think everything's going to go well, and then Terry Wilson goes and blows his knee out. And yeah. then if Devin Leary ain't on his feet, there ain't a whole lot behind him <laughs> you can yeah, lean on that, that, to that, win you some ball games. That's saying something because, yeah, well, what they had behind him uh, or behind Levis last year was, was rough. Uh, you know, I almost, like, I was penciling in wins those first four games, but. I guess at Vandy, 
we know what happened last year. Uh, you know, yeah. last year the Vandy. So it's like you can't you can't afford that to happen again. Right. But let's just assume they win that one. They're four zero. Yep. That Florida game on on September thirtieth. I mean, that's that's big. Yeah. One, especially for the Kentucky football fan base that has had that monkey on our back forever, and now it's the this the script has kind of been flipped. Yeah. Um, the good thing is, is there's there's not any of that in the back of the team's mind. Like they're they're confident they're going to beat Florida because that's yeah. what they do. Like that's what they've done now. They they're at that point. So um, being able to deliver that game, like they that they can very much do that. Like that is very much on the table. Um, and then like you can go to Georgia five and zero. Yeah. <laughs> that's the schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I've got it right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Four, but even five and one. You can hold serve and have a top 25 matchup when Tennessee comes to down. So yeah. the schedule's nice. It's just how healthy can you stay for that final? Because it, it, it does get challenging at the yeah. end. There's no, you don't get the SoCon Saturday built in. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. Let's just, let's say they lose to Georgia. You're, you're five and one. You beat Missouri. You're six and one. That next stretch of Tennessee at Mississippi State, Alabama, at South Carolina, at Louisville. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no, no days off. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no days off. And the one that's sneaky might be one of the most difficult at Mississippi State, because I can't won there since 2008. It's It's a big rivalry game. <laughs> but but this will probably be the last time. I mean, it'll be the last time they're cross-divisional foes, technically, in yeah. this, um, this new format we're going to be getting into with Texas and Oklahoma there. But... My wife went to Kentucky. She hates that. Like she's like, why do we have to keep playing Mississippi State every year? They're not our rival. Like, yeah. yeah, stop trying to make it a thing. I tried to know? explain. It. I'm like, look, you were just the, the ones left over. Like they were preserving all these historic <laughs> rivalries, and it's like, I guess put them together. Yeah, yeah. You you two go play. <laughs> uh, what do you guys got going up at uh, KSR leading up to the season? Tons of stuff, uh, especially we've cranked up our YouTube efforts. Uh, we're going to have some position previews rolling out. Tons of stuff from SEC Media Days. Oh, uh, YouTube. So we, do we have to see your face? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, like, I've had to shave now, and it's been a whole thing. Uh, but we've really cranked that up uh, over it on uh, – and also just at KentuckySportsRadio.com. So any you follow me, at RoushKSR on Twitter. It's a good time. We're a good hang. We don't take we don't take ourselves too seriously. We right. like ball, but come on, we're here to make fart jokes. <laughs> You're a good follow. Nick Roush, always good to catch up, man. So thanks so much for the time. That's been a pleasure. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Our thanks again to Nick Roush. Our thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every day. Now go uh, make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. A shout out to our everydayers coming back and checking us out every day. We'll talk to you guys on Monday with more reports from fall camp. And getting into it, man, we're ever getting ever so closer to the kickoff of another SEC football season. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys for watching, for listening, for downloading. Checking us out on YouTube as well. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.